experience. Well, yeah, experience is everywhere. Experience is everywhere. My name is Tasha and I'm a TRIO advisor at Eastern Maine Community College. Essentially, my job is to help students succeed in college through advising, counseling, tutoring, teaching, and really just being that friendly person that students can come to for just about anything. So today's a pretty good day. It's early spring and the sun is shining through my office window. And as I look around my space, I see these trinkets and photos and small memories of experiences that have shaped my life. There's a photo of me and my mom on my graduation day, a little toy dinosaur that my five-year-old nephew gave me. There's a big bowl of Jolly Ranchers on my desk that definitely needs some replenishing soon. And I have this magic eight ball that I received as a gift from my best friend years ago. So if you're not familiar with the magic eight ball, it's a toy shaped like a billiard eight ball. And as you hold it, you ask the magic eight ball a question. And when you flip it over, it gives you an answer. It is decidedly so, or you may rely on it, or my sources say no, are just a few of the possible answers that the magic eight ball spits out. So the idea of making a decision based on a message from a small plastic toy, it just got me thinking about how we go about making decisions in our life. We have experiences everywhere and at every stage and place that life takes us. And within those experiences, we are constantly making decisions. So some are minor and they don't require too much thought, like making the choice between milk or orange juice for breakfast. But some decisions require a lot more consideration before we can make them, like deciding to continue your education, what kind of job to do, finding a mate and starting a family. You know, we could rely on the magic eight ball or the flip of a coin or the whim of fate, but that might lead us in a direction that we haven't consciously made the decision to go. So that brings me to the topic at hand, conscious decision-making. What exactly does this mean? So conscious decision-making is when we are fully aware of the choices and decisions we make. We use information that is available to us, we balance it, we look at it from every possible angle, and listen to the signals our body is giving us through our gut feeling or intuition before we make a decision. We also take full responsibility for each decision and its outcome, knowing and feeling it was the right thing to do. So I had the opportunity to sit down with my colleague, Jeremy, who shared a really great example of a time in his life when he had to make a conscious and calculated decision that would ultimately affect the direction of his entire life. Certainly, I think conscious decisions get applied to some of life's bigger decisions versus like, what am I going to have for lunch? Uh, recognizing that you have a decision to make and rather than just immediately deciding on something, you, you take a step back and you need to consider all of the different like facets of that decision. Yeah, so what comes to mind is when I decided to get out of the army. I was an officer when I went in and officers are appointed for a lifetime. So to get out of your appointment, you have to, I can't remember the wording, but you have to give up your commission. And there's a whole process to that, but it effectively means that you're out. So my minimum obligation to serve was eight years. And I remember thinking very early on in my career that I didn't necessarily like it, but you stay in and every year that you're in is another year closer to retirement. So it wasn't until I was in Iraq that I had decided for sure. So it wasn't a decision I just wanted to make off the cuff. My immediate 
impression of being full-time army was I didn't like it. But I was also really low on the chain. And as I advanced up, I, I did like being in higher positions of, of power. I liked the scope of responsibility that I had. I liked the soldiers I served with. I liked some of the missions that we did, uh, especially when we did humanitarian missions, where we would build a road in a village that needed a road, or we would uh, refurbish uh, or fix a hospital. We did some things like that, and that's like soul-fulfilling type of stuff. So when it came time to decide to stay or go at the end of my eight years, I had to weigh the good against the bad, pros and cons, instead of just going with my heart. But you have to factor that in too. So the, the, the pros I had just listed, the pros for staying in, the cons for staying in was I I, I didn't want to ever have to go to war again. <laughs> I, I had been through a suicide bombing. I had seen soldiers I uh, served with die. And I, I knew that that was part of it, but it doesn't really hit you until you see it. You live through it and it, it changes you. So that was a big factor was not wanting to have to ever deploy again to a war zone. I also wanted to just explore civilian careers. I kind of knew in my heart that I was going to get out. But you end up having so many conversations with like superior officers, recruiters and, and family, and you kind of have to justify your decisions. I felt like I had to defend it. So if I'd stayed in, I'd have a I'd have a, a retirement. I'd, I'd have a retirement at 42 with 20 years of military experience. Ideally, could transition to that into some kind of civilian career, draw half of my base pay for life with annual increases. Now, as I'm saying it, <laughs> there's a part of me that wishes maybe I had stayed. I kept weighing the pros against the cons, and the cons always just kind of, I kept wanting to look for reasons to back up the cons. And so when, when I was making the pros and the cons list, I always wanted the cons list to be longer. And that's kind of what told me where my heart was. I, I did want to get out. Being in the war only really solidified that. Jeremy's decision to leave the military was a difficult one for him to make, but ultimately he weighed his options, he sought the advice of others, and he knew in his heart that it was the right decision for him. So when it comes to making big decisions, a factor in that process is something called our mindset. So there's two mindsets that researchers have kind of discovered that most people fall into. And these are referred to as a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So a fixed mindset assumes that we're born with all of our character, intelligence, and creative ability. And those are fixed traits that they really can't be changed in any meaningful way. Our path in life is one that's been predetermined and we may feel like we can't make conscious decisions because ultimately the decisions have already been made for us. We allow our setbacks to define us forever. Oftentimes we'll tell ourselves things like, I'm either good at it or I'm not, or failure is the limit of my abilities and I can either do it or I can't. On the other hand, the growth mindset is based on the belief that your basic qualities are things that you can cultivate through your effort, that intelligence and talent can be developed through embracing challenges and persisting in the face of setbacks. Jeremy and I had a chance to talk a little bit about this idea of the fixed versus growth mindset. Yeah, so I'm a tutor coordinator for the TRIO program, but I'm also a math adjunct faculty here at the college, and uh, I tend to, people tend to lean on me for math advice, math questions, that kind of thing. I like it. I've, I've embraced my role as the math nerd. I tell them, you, you weren't born able to play Call of Duty, but you practiced it for 100 hours, and now you're amazing at it. So you weren't born 
born to do fractions either, but if you make the conscious choice to be good at fractions, you can become good at fractions. There is a lot of math that we cover that maybe there is not a whole lot of common use for, but I tell you, fractions are one of them. You might as well find a way to accept that you're going to use them and, and decide to learn them. Because it's a lot harder to persevere and to keep going when you get knocked down and to you know look at a failure as an opportunity to grow instead of a failure as a life setback. Yeah. It's hard to change your mind and see things in that way, but it can be done if you work at it, right? Agree. Hey, you worded that so well, and I agree. <laughs> I was so bad at music. I would, I would get in, I was a straight A student, but I would, I would get in trouble in grade school because I would skip chorus class to go like read books in the library and I would get detention for it. But I know that if I wanted to learn to play the piano at a basic beginner level, I could do it. I would set my mind to it, put in the time and effort and I could do it. No doubt. People are always capable of way more than they think they are. When we have a growth mindset, we say things like failure is an opportunity to grow or I can learn anything I want and I like to try new things. With a growth mindset, we believe that one setback or failure does not define our ability or our potential. We know that we must work hard in order to achieve success and that it doesn't just come naturally. Really, it's about the journey and not the destination. So with a growth mindset, we're likely to make more conscious decisions to take time to consider our actions and their outcomes. Jeremy's experience of making a conscious decision to leave the military is an example of working from a place of growth mindset. Because if he didn't inherently believe that he was capable of learning a new skill or starting a new career and a new life journey, this would have impacted the outcome of his decision greatly. I'll end with a few things to consider. What process do you go through when you make an important decision? How has this served you in the past? And what might you do differently in the future?